Good morning. I'm so glad that you have joined us this morning. It's Boxing Day, and in my family, Boxing Day was always a really big deal. It's my parents' wedding anniversary. They were born, they were married uh, December 26, 1946. And not only that, but our extended family often got together on this day for visiting and feasting and playing, um, playing board games and that kind of thing. It was very fun. What are some of the traditions your family holds for Boxing Day? Whatever your usual traditions, thank you for choosing to come and be here this morning. My name is the Reverend Rosemary Morrison, and I am privileged to serve the congregation, this congregation, the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. I'm going to fill in as my own service leader this morning because it was important to me to make sure that everyone was able to relax and not have to go out and do stuff on this Boxing Day morning. It's just a good day to eat turkey sandwiches and relax. But now please take this opportunity to put away any distractions around you. Maybe get a coffee. And you could have a candle nearby for lighting. I invite you to center yourself. Notice your breath. Take a couple of deep cleansing breaths. Arrive. The prelude this morning is to help you prepare your heart and mind for worship. And it is performed by my friend Richard Maddox. And he is kindly offering it to us this morning. He will be playing Ice Dance by David Lance.
As Unitarian Universalists, we are bound together, not by a common set of beliefs, but by our promise to support one another in our individual searches for truth and meaning. We are guided by our principles, and we draw from many sources. Whatever you believe or don't believe, whomever you love, however you understand family, whatever your age, race, or ability, you are welcome here. Actually, you know, all of you is welcome here. Even the parts you might not be so proud of, maybe even the thoughts that you wish you didn't have. Doing church together means showing up as our authentic whole selves, learning to be together, how to handle conflict in a healthy manner, and how to love with open hearts and minds. That's perhaps how we get somewhere. We begin our gathering this morning by acknowledging that we are located on Treaty 6 territory. We respect the histories, languages, and cultures of First Nations, Métis, Inuit, and all First, First Peoples of Canada, whose presence continues to enrich our vibrant community. We will not be stopping during the service for an offering. However, I would like to say that for the month of December, we are sharing our um, abundance with RISE, Reconciliation in Solidarity Edmonton, a not-for-profit society. Founded in 2015 in response to the one-year anniversary of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's national event in Edmonton, RISE is made up of people from all walks of life committed to moving reconciliation forward in our community. Please take this holiday season to give generously to this, important, um, to this important organization. Also, I'd like to draw your attention to the notice of a special event happening in January, the weekend of January 22nd to be exact, that Saturday, I believe it's 22nd. Joan Carolyn of the Canadian Unitarian Council will be facilitating a startup workshop with this congregation. This is customary when there is a new minister, there is a, the, the Congregational Life staff comes and does a startup workshop so that we can together set goals and priorities for our work together. It's going to be an exciting weekend and I encourage everyone to come. We need your voice. We need your ideas. Come and be part of this important, um, important workshop. So mark it on your calendars, make it a priority, and we'll see you then. And now, let us begin. Our chalice lighting this morning is by Annie Fairster. Come we now out of the darkness. Come we now out of the darkness of our unknowing and the dusk of our dreaming. Come we now from far places. Come we now into the twilight of our awakening and the reflection of our gathering. Come we now all together. We bring unilluminated our dark caves of doubting. We seek unbedazzled the clear light of understanding. May the sparks of our joining kindle our, our resolve, brighten our spirits, reflect our love, and unshadow our days. Come we now. Enter the dawning.
And now our opening hymn is Come, Come, Whoever You Are. Um, the words will be on the screen, and um, I enjoy encourage you to sing along if you like, or sit back and listen, whichever you choose. Come, come, whoever you are, wonder, worshiper, lover of living, ours is no caravan of despair. Come yet again, come, 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 whoever you are, condemn, cautious, Time for All Ages story this morning is the Christmas Day Kitten. This was one of my son's favorite stories when he was growing up, and it's by James Harriet and illustrated by Ruth Brown. Christmas can never go by without my re remembering a certain little cat. I first saw her when I called to see one of Mrs. Pickering's much-loved basset hounds. I looked in some surprise at the furry creature moving quietly down the hall. I didn't know you had a cat, I said to Mrs. Pickering, who was a lovely, pleasant-faced woman. Mrs. Pickering smiled. We haven't really. Debbie is a stray. She comes here two or three times a week, and we give her some food. I don't know where she lives. Do you ever get the feeling that she wants to stay with you? I asked. No, Mrs. Pickering shook her head. She's a timid little thing, just creeps in, has some food, then slips away. She doesn't seem to want to let me help her in any way. I looked at the little tabby cat again. But she isn't just having food today. It's a funny thing, but every now and again she pops through into the sitting room and sits by the fire for a few minutes. It's as though she was giving herself a treat. The little cat was sitting very upright on the thick rug which lay in front of the fireplace in which the coals glowed and flamed. The three bassets were already lying there, but they seemed used to Debbie because two of them sniffed her in a bored manner, and the third merely cocked a sleepy eye at her before flopping back to sleep. Debbie made no effort to curl up or wash herself or do anything other than gaze quietly ahead. This was obviously a special treat for her, a special treat in her life. Then suddenly, 
she turned and crept from the room without a sound. That's just the way it is with Debbie, said Mrs. Pickering, laughing. She never stays more than 10 minutes or so, then she's off. I often visited the Pickering home and I always looked out for the little cat. On one occasion, I spotted her nibbling daintily from a saucer at the kitchen door. As I watched, she turned and almost floated on light footsteps into the hall, then through into the sitting room. Debbie settled herself in the middle of the pile of basset hounds in her usual way, upright, still, and gazing into the glowing fire. This, try, this time, I tried to make friends with her, but she leaned away as I stretched out my hand. I, however, I talked to her softly, and I managed to stroke her cheek with one finger. Then it was time for her to go, and once outside the house, she jumped up onto the stone wall and down the other side. The last thing I saw was this little tabby figure flitting away across the grassy field. I wonder where she goes, I murmured. That's something we'll ne we're, we've never been able to find out, said Mrs. Pickering. Only I didn't do it in James Harriet voice. I wonder where she goes. I murmured. That's better. It was three months later that I next heard from Mrs. Pickering, and it happened to be Christmas morning. I'm so sorry to bother you today of all days, said, said Mrs. Pickering apologetically. Don't worry at all, I said. Which of the dogs needs attention? It's not the dogs. It's, it's Debbie. She's come to the house and there's something very wrong. Please come quickly. I drove through the empty market square. The snow was thick on the road and on the roofs of the surrounding houses. The shops were closed, but the pretty colored lights of the Christmas trees winked in the windows. Mrs. Pickering's house was beautifully decorated with tinsel and holly and the rich smell of turkey and sage and onion stuffing wafted from the kitchen. But she had a very worried look on her face as she led me through to the sitting room. Debbie was there, but she wasn't sitting upright in her usual position. She was lying quite still and huddled close to her lay a tiny kitten. I looked down in amazement. What have we got here? It's the strangest thing, Mrs. Pickering replied. I haven't seen her for several weeks, and then she came in about two hours ago, staggered into the kitchen, and she was carrying the kitten in her mouth. She brought it in, she brought it in here and laid it on the rug. Almost immediately, I could see that she wasn't well. Then she laid down like this, and hasn't moved since. I knelt on the rug and passed my hand over Debbie's body, which Mrs. Pickering had placed on a piece of sheet. She was very, very thin and her coat was dirty. I knew she didn't have long to live. Is she ill, Mr. Harriet? asked Mrs. Pickering in a trembling voice. Yes. Yes, I'm afraid so. 
but I don't think she is in any pain. Mrs. Pickering looked at me, and I saw there were tears in her eyes. Then she knelt beside Debbie and stroked the cat's head while the tears fell on the dirty fur. Oh, the poor little thing. I should have done more for her. I spoke gently. No one could have done more than you. No one could have been kinder. And see, she has brought her kitten to you, hasn't she? Yes, you are right, she said. Yes, you are right, she has. Mrs. Pink Pickering reached out and lifted up the tiny, bedraggled kitten. Isn't it strange? Debbie knew she was dying, so she brought her kitten here. And on Christmas Day, I bent down and put my hand on Debbie's heart. There was no heartbeat. I'm afraid she has died. I lifted the feather-light body, wrapped it in the piece of sheet, and took it out to the car. When I came back, Mrs. Pickering was still stroking the kitten. The tears had dried, and she was bright-eyed as she looked at me. I've never had a cat before, she said. I smiled. Well, it looks as though you got one now. And she certainly had. The kitten grew rapidly into a sleek, handsome, and bouncy tabby cat, and Mrs. Pickering called him Buster. He wasn't timid like his little mother, and he lived like a king. And with the ornate collar he always wore, he looked like one too. I watched him grow up with delight. But the occasion that always stays in my mind was the following Christmas Day, a year after his arrival. I was on my way home after visiting a farmer with a sick cow, and I was looking forward to my Christmas dinner. Mrs. Pickering was at her front door when I passed her house, and I heard her call out, Merry Christmas, Mr. Harriet. Come in and have a drink to warm you up. I had a little time to spare, so I stopped the car and went in. In their house, in the house, there was the festive cheer of last year and the same glorious whiff of sage and onion stuffing. But this year, there was no sorrow. There was Buster. He was darting up to each of the basset hounds in turn, ears pricked, eyes twinkling, dabbing, at a paw, dabbing a paw at them and then streaking away. Mrs. Pickering laughed. Buster does tease them so. He gives them no peace. She was right. For a long time, the dogs had led a rather sedate life. Gentle walks, plenty of good food, and long snoring sessions on the rugs and armchairs. Then Buster arrived. He was now dancing up to the youngest dog again, head on one side, asking him to play. When he started boxing with both paws, it was too much for the Basset, who rolled over with the cat in a wrestling game. Come into the garden, said Mrs. Pickering. I want to show you something. She lifted a hard rubber ball from the sideboard, and we went outside. Oops.
She threw the ball across the lawn and Buster bounded over it, bounded after it over the frosty grass, his tabby coat gleaming in the sun. He seized the ball in his mouth, brought it back to his mistress, dropped it at her feet and waited. Mrs. Pickering threw it again and Buster brought it back. I gasped, a retriever cat. The Bassets looked on unimpressed. Nothing would ever make them chase a ball. But Buster did it again and again as though he would never tire of it. Mrs. Pickering turned to me. Have you ever seen anything like that? No, I replied. He is a most remarkable cat. He went back to the house where she held Buster close to her laughing, pardon me. We went back into the house where she held Buster close to her, laughing as the big cat purred loudly, looking at him so healthy and contented. I remembered his mother who had carried her tiny kitten to the only place of comfort and warmth that she had ever known. Mrs. Pickering was thinking the same thing because she turned to me and, although she was smiling, her eyes were thoughtful. Debbie would be pleased, she said. I nodded. Yes, she would. It was just a year ago today she brought him in, wasn't it? That's right. She hugged Buster again. The best Christmas present. I've ever had the end. Perhaps for a moment, the typewriters will stop clicking. The wheels stop rolling. The computers desist from computing. And a hush will fall over the city. For an instant in the stillness, the chiming of the celestial spheres will be heard as earth hangs poised in the crystalline darkness and then gracefully tilts. Let there be a season when holiness is heard splendor of living is revealed. Stunned to stillness by beauty, we remember who we are and why we are here. There are inexplicable mysteries. We are not alone. In the universe, there moves a wild one whose gestures alter Earth's axis toward love. In the immense darkness, everything spins with joy. The cosmos enfolds us. We are caught in a web of stars, cradled in a swaying embrace, rocked by the holy night, babes of the universe. Let this be the time we wake to life, like spring wakes 
in the moment of winter solstice. consist of centering ourselves, taking a few deep breaths, and then I'm going to put on a piece of music, May the Long Time Sun, performed by Sarah Thompson, and um, purchased for rights uh, to air it this morning. So we'll take a few deep breaths. Notice how the air comes in and out of our bodies. Feel the chair or the couch supporting you. Breathing into any spots in your body where you hold tension. It's uncomfortable. See if you can breathe the air in right to those spots in your body or to the points of contact with the chair, the couch, the floor, 
your bed. Couple more deep cleansing breaths, deep healing breaths. As we enjoy May the Long Time Sun, I invite you to type into the chat all your joys and concerns, all those things that you hold in your hearts that you would like to share. And I invite you, as people share, to respond with care, with love, with joy, with congratulations, with exuberance. This is how we build community. Two more cleansing breaths, and then may the long time sun. May the long time sun shine upon you. All love surround you and the pure, pure light that's within you guide your way. Shine upon you All love surround you And the pure, and the pure, pure light That's within you Guide your way home May the Lord Shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure, and the pure, pure light that's within you guide your way home. May the Lord. Shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure, and the pure, pure light that's within you guide your way home. May the Lord. Shine upon you, all love surround you, and the pure, and the pure, pure light that's within you guide your way. This, this morning I have a short poem to share uh, as the reading and then a, a brief 
um, I like to call it a homilini, uh, just a little bit of a, a, a reflection upon the poem. And the poem is The Work of Christmas by Howard Thurman. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, and to make music in the heart. In his book, The Mood of Christmas, Howard Thurman talks about the 12 days of Christmas. I think they started yesterday, like Christmas Day was day one of the days of Christmas. He, he doesn't tell us to go out and buy a bunch of presents or eat too much or rush around doing too much and having too high of expectations for ourselves. We put a lot of pressure on ourselves this season over the Christmas season for sure. No, he suggests that we have it backwards. The point of it all, in his opinion, is that the Christmas story tells us that we are instead to look outward, to think about what is needed in our communities and beyond. No, we're not supposed to be satisfying ourselves, but we are to rebuild the nations and bring peace among others and make music in the heart. This morning, this Boxing Day morning, I would like us to consider what the work of Christmas is for the Unitarian Church of Edmonton. So after all the glitter is gone and the sanctuary is readied for the next season and we get, we get back to our routines, what then? I wonder if you had to think about what is the work of UCE? What is the work of Christmas for the Unitarian Church of Edmonton? What would you say to that? What is the purpose? The goals we should have together? What plans should we be making? Of course I can't answer that. Only you can. This is the work of the congregation to set goals. Think about where you want to go and what you want to be. UCE, Unitarian Church of Edmonton, has a chance right now to get really creative. You can remake the congregation into whatever makes sense for you right now. That's why I'm so excited to be starting a, doing a startup workshop in January with you. That's going to be January 22nd. We will get to explore our options, think about the directions, and then maybe what could the mission and vision of UCE be? Do you wish to help find the lost? Do you want to be a congregation that it extends its hand outward to bring comfort and help folks find community? Do you want to have your building being used like that as a community hub? I'm asking the questions. What would it look like if UCE took to heart to healing the broken, 
people all around us in this area are broken. Well, I guess we all are broken in some ways, aren't we? And so how do we become healers to ourselves, to the surrounding area, and even to our own families? In my humble opinion, to be a healer, we must first be healed. The, you've heard of that book, The Wounded Healer. And then people say the healed wounded healer does a lot of good in the world. And we do that through learning about ourselves, taking the time to ex examining our responses, figuring out what makes us tick, kind of, I guess. I think this is part of the work of the congregation, too. Learning to do tasks with those not like us. And, and then figuring out why something bugs us or someone bugs us. And then realizing that what bugs us in others is often what bugs us about ourselves. And then we've actually got something to work with, don't we? Talking things through. Asking for forgiveness. Maintaining good boundaries. Understanding when we've missed the mark. These are all the ways in which we can heal the broken. And first we have to heal ourselves. So listening, talking, caring, and being authentic together, using good communication, makes for a healing congregation. The poem goes on to feed the hungry, release the prisoner, rebuild the nations to bring peace, and then to make music. These are tall orders. So what if we focused on a couple of doable things? Well, we are going to be an Edmonton Food Bank Depot in January again. We can do that work of Christmas. We can feed the hungry. We share our abundance with organizations that also do the work of Christmas. And that's a very good thing, something that's already in place. Thinking about what the work of Christmas means to you, I invite you to put some things into the chat. What are some things that UCE does that you are proud of? What has UCE done in the past that you think has relieved suffering in, the, in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and the world? I'll give you a moment to think about that and to put some things into the chat. I'll be interested to see what you have to say about it all. So I'll just give you a moment or two to think about that. And I'm going to move on, but you can still keep putting things into the chat about what, um, about what you are proud of and what things UCE has done in the past that you're proud of. What are, what are some of the activities and groups or outreach kinds of things that um, UCE has done? And now, thinking about the future. 
And you have to sort of pretend to do this exercise with me. You sort of have to pretend that you have a magic wand. Money and energy, not an issue. So you can't say, oh, we don't have money for that, or we don't have the people for that, or we can't do that because we don't have this. No. That's what, that what I'm hoping, asking you to do is think really bigger than that. What are some things that um, you would like to see UCE doing in this community, in this province, country, world? I invite you to pop some of those things into the chat. What are we capable of, do you think? I'll stop talking for a moment and let you put some things into the chat. I'm just, but I am going to reiterate. What do you think? What, what is in your heart's desire for UCE? What do you think is, would be good, would be exciting? would be helpful, would be important. Carry on and throw some things in the chat. I'll let you look at the wreath. I'll be interested to see what all transpires in the chat. So thank you for participating in this. Thank you for being here this morning. And thank you for thinking about what it means to do the work of Christmas. We know this means that the story is one of refugees, hardship, lack of food and shelter, and that we are called to alleviate that suffering. The Christmas story is universal. It is told and retold in different ways in many different traditions and religions. It isn't just about the Christian story. It's more universal than that. We've been together for four months now, and I think we're beginning to get to know one another. And I'm very excited to find out where you would like UCE to go. And then I guess I'll have to figure out how to help you get there. And that will be really fun <laughs> and um, exciting. I think, though, as we put our heads together, pool our resources, and do some really good brainstorming at the workshop on the 22nd, there will be some surprises. Bring your zaniest of ideas, your hearts full of longing, and your mind willing to consider things that you may not have ever thought possible before. I think that we can do the work of Christmas together to find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among others, and to make music in the heart.
so may it be. Amen. And I invite you to sit back and relax and listen to this really um, wonderful rendition of Drift Away, I think it's by the Doobie Brothers. And, um, and it's uh, been produced by Leah Morris and uh, it is being used with permission. And, uh, and actually, um, yeah, it's being used with permission. And so we um, don't have to worry about royalties, etc. Um, okay, Drift Away by the Doobie Brothers, sung by Leah Morris and friends. Beginning to think that I'm wasting time I don't understand the things I do The world outside looks so unkind I'm counting on you to carry me through. Oh, give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. When my mind is free, you know a melody can move me. When I'm feeling blue, guitar's coming through to soothe me. Thanks for the joy that you've given me. Hope that you know I believe in your song The rhythm, the rhyme, the harmony They help me along They're keeping me strong Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul I want to get lost in your rock and roll And drift away Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. Give me the beat, boys, and free my soul. I want to get lost in your rock and roll and drift away. And now as we come to the end of our service, I offer Chalice Extinguishing Words by Andrea Hawkins Camper. And it's entitled, Be About the Work. May we see all as it is, and may we, and may it be as we see it. May we be the ones to make it as it should be. For if not us, who? If not now, when? This is answering the cry of justice with the work of peace. This is redeeming the pain of history with the grace of wisdom. This is the work we are called to do. And this is the call we answer now. To be the barrier and the bridge. To be the living embodiment of our principles. To be about the work of 
building the beloved community to be a people of intention and a people of conscience. And I extinguish our chalice. And our closing words are by Brother Stendhal Rast. May you grow still enough to hear the small noises earth makes in preparing for the long sleep of winter, so that you yourself may grow calm and grounded deep within. And may you grow still enough to hear the trickling of water seeping into the ground, so that your soul may be softened and healed and guided by its flow. And may you grow still enough to hear the splintering of starlight in the winter sky and the roar at Earth's fiery core. And may you grow still enough to hear the stir of a single snowflake in the air so that your inner silence may turn into hushed expectation. Go in peace, gentle people. Go in peace. And now our postlude is being offered by Richard Maddox again. Thank you, Richard. I am so grateful to you. And it's called Russell of Spring. Hoping we get spring in the not too dear future, distant future, but it's going to be a while. And this is by Christian Sending. Thank you. And many blessings upon you as you go about your day. <laughs>